The Dr. Lodi Podcast empowers people to think for themselves and teaches people how to achieve optimal health, free from cancer and all other chronic conditions. As a medical doctor, clinical psychologist, nutritionist, historian, philosopher, and the pioneer of what has now become the definitive route for those unsatisfied with the modern cancer treatment system, Dr. Lodi will deliver information that you've never heard before. Tune in and discover what a true second opinion really means, how to stop making cancer, why there is no such thing as diseases, and what you are truly capable of achieving in your life. Good morning, Sawadikap Tukon. Sawadikap and uh, aloha, everyone. Okay, so let's have a fantastic day. This is Sunday Night Live. Um, If you're on that side of the world, then if you're on this side, it's uh, Monday morning. But um, so anyway, but I do want to start out with something really that I think we all need to we not I mean, we don't I don't think we all need to we all need to pay attention to this what's going on okay <clears throat> by the way remember one thing really uh why is the connection always been okay remember one thing very important and that is we are the elephant okay we are the elephant how come i don't see here we go. Ah. New Jersey, mitochondrial dysfunction. <clears throat> Hello, you all. Sweetie Cup, Sawadee Cup, Catherine, Sarah, Andrea. All right, Sheila. I got you. Go to sleep. You know, it's late for some of you, so you know, don't, 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 don't disrupt your life for this because you can. It's always recorded, you know, and you know. Um, but anyway, so here's the thing. I, I, I got, <clears throat> I've got to talk about this because, um, uh, and oh, by the way, at the uh, at the risk of, whoops, what's with this? Come on, this goes up. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, and I really don't listen. There's two. Okay. There's two one-liners that I remember in movies, you know. One is called Run, Forest, Run. I know you know that line. Okay, well, that's an important line to remember. Nowadays, because when a tidal wave is coming at you, and I don't care what you got to hold it back, you just better run, forest, run. Okay, and there's some tidal waves coming. On the other hand, we are the elephant. And you don't move elephants uphill that don't want to go uphill. Okay, so forget all that now. Um, and uh, what I wanted to say to you <clears throat> is this. Check this out. There we go. Okay, yeah. So anyway, so a friend of mine, a friend of mine told me that uh, she's this keeps getting a bad connection. Why does it get a bad connection? Excuse me. There we go. You good, 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 good. Okay, Casey. So anyways, this friend of mine gets this. In the, now listen, if I offend anyone, that's okay. That's fine. Okay, so the second line that I, like, that I remember in a movie that I really like a lot is, 
Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Yo, some of you may know that. That was Clark Gable in um, uh, a really old movie. Most of you won't know that. But frankly, frankly, everyone, I just don't give a damn if I offend you. Because I got to talk to you about something that's really, really beyond disturbing and not okay. And if you're offended, you know, what, 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 let's think about it. What, what does it mean to be offended? What it really means is that you don't like what you heard and it makes you mad. So in other words, you don't say something that might make someone mad. Because we use the word offended as if it meant something more uh, profound, so more deep, more, uh, I don't know. But it doesn't, just means you're pissed off. Don't like what I said. Okay, well. Um. Tell you something. Let me ask you a question, okay? Just and I want you all to think about this. Uh, and a lot of you don't even have to think about it. In fact, just in fact, most of you guys get it, but there are those that don't. Um, if you found out that or you saw one of the people down the street was taking uh, animals and uh, uh, mutilating them, how would that? But that. Would you just like kind of like just brush that off? Huh? I guess you could. You could. <clears throat> so anyway. Or I, I don't know. For example, let's say cutting their genitals off. So we see that, you know, in farmers and people that raise raise the, the different animals, they do castrate. You know, castration is uh, uh, only, only, only the medical profession. Only. The medical profession has the depth of sorcery to get people to voluntarily get castrated. Just like what? You're saying what? Yeah, what, what? Well, yeah. Lupron, castration. Okay. Um, cutting off testicles, removing ovaries, castration. Okay. So that's castration. We volunteer. We volunteer, and we do it because the medical profession gives uh, gives us uh, a, a, a sufficient amount of fear. Now, I realized something. Why we still have doctors? You know why we still have doctors? I mean, why am I asking such a bizarre question? Because, uh, <clears throat> um. The truth is this. Doctors don't make decisions. They don't make decisions. They have to follow the guidelines. And these aren't guidelines. They're instructions. They're not guidelines. They're instructions. And they come down under the umbrella of a professional organization like the American College of Cardiology, American College of Pediatrics, American College of obstetrics and gynecology, American Society of Clinical Oncology. And these are the guidelines that they, they're not guidelines. They are instructions and you do it or you're in trouble. Okay. So basically, in other words, there's no really a need any longer for a person to be there, right? You just come in with this, whatever it is, and it fits into a computer and the AI will, will, will direct the next step. Okay. But we have doctors. You know why we have doctors? I think about, I think. I think the reason we still have doctors is because they still want us to be under the illusion 
that we go to a professional and this professional in their best interest examines all the data, talks to you, the person, understands who you are inside and, 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 and what it means to you about what you're going through. Not some statistical thing, but, but you. And then make some decisions in your best interest. They want us to. It's the same kind of illusion that uh, they they have they, they've um, that they perpetuate with uh, what we call uh, what we used. I don't know if it was ever worked. If it was ever real, I guess at one point it might have been real. But uh, called voting. Familiar with? That? Remember that, you guys? Remember that? Uh, voting meant you go in and you make a choice, right? And then the majority chooses. Yeah, remember. Okay, so anyway, so voting, the reason we vote, and by the way, even before all the uh, even before all of the uh, electronic voting machines, before that, they gave you a choice. Do you want a heart attack or a stroke? Mm, I chose stroke, you know I, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm taking advantage of my rights as an American, as a whatever, as a Brit. Whatever I am that I'm going to vote, I choose a stroke over the heart attack. That's a true choice, right? Okay. So the illusion to vote is the same as the illusion that we have doctors that care. Okay. Now, the reason I say that here, this was what my friend wrote to me. This was on the front page news of my computer, followed by a poll asking the public if they think it's ethical to perform gender reassignment surgery on minors. They actually asked that. Okay. Now, first of all, I want to tell you what informed consent reads as it's the process in which a health care provider educates a patient about the risks, benefits, and alternatives of a given procedure or intervention. The patient must be competent to make a voluntary decision about whether to undergo the procedure or intervention. And if we're talking about competence, we're talking about long range. Uh, if we're just talking about something like um, mild, it doesn't matter. But if there's something with long-term consequences, the competency must mean that you have to be able to do that. Now, just a reminder of everybody, a couple of things. I'm going to give this, this going to be a little dictionary lesson, just a little bit of vocabulary, just a little bit of comprehension. Okay. So in other words, um, uh, children, children up to about the age of eight are pretty much seven years old, eight years old are pretty much in uh, their brainwaves or theta. Theta is the same kind of brainwaves you have when you're sl- when you're dreaming. Mm-hmm. You're just watching. There's no there's no editing. There's no c- conclusions being drawn. There, there's nothing. Okay, this is what it, this is what's going on. All right. All right. So. Uh, <clears throat> Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. And uh, uh, and then and then and then beta starts to creep in, but then we kind of slip we slip into alpha. Alpha is like 
you know, super alert and all that. But 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 still, we don't have much beta. Beta is what's necessary for uh, making uh, critical for critical thinking. Beta and beta doesn't come around in full full on beta for quite a while. Nine ten years old. All right. Now, and it's not until you're 25, actually, 25 years old, that the frontal lobe of the brain, the prefrontal cortex is actually connected to the rest of the brain. And not until you're 25. And if anybody can remember being a teenager or if you have teenagers, you'll understand that they just don't get it. They don't get it around 25, 26, 27. Oh, 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 they start to get it. Right. But prior to that, they just don't get it. And you can't get them to get it. You can't make them get it. Okay. now. Here's the thing I want you to understand. So in Los Angeles, California, a now deleted video, video, a surgeon going by the name of Dr. Frankenstein. You, you don't make this stuff up, right? Uh, sp uh, spoke openly about the drawbacks of performing genital reshaping procedures on transgender children and adults. Did I hear that right? Was that transgender children and adults? Okay. So it appears that the video, the initial video post from last year was removed, but it was then found in the archives and put all over the place. The operations were described by the viewers as, quote, evil, not evil, not really evil, just in quotation, and as being similar to Nazi-era experimentation. Um, mm, yeah, Mengele, you know, Mengele has nothing on what's... He, he, he yeah, he, he and these guys are the same. They're the same, 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 same. Mengele, Mengele was a freak. Right. We but we knew that we, we we agreed that he was a freak. But this guy here is a considered Dr. Peters is considered. Uh, what is he? He's he's an esteemed professor at the Oregon Health and State and Science University, plastic and reconstructive surgery. Anyway, so he uses he uses the pronouns he and they. Now, I'm not sure. Uh, that's really sad if someone's got to use tell someone their pronoun. Anyway, that's pretty sick. Are we talking about possessive pronouns? Like mine? Hers? His? I guess so. Yeah. Theirs? Uh, ours? Anybody? Can I get this straight? Can, help me out. Can anybody say ours? Yeah, gone with the wind. Thank you. Uh, 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 can we say ours or no? We can't say it's ours. We have to say it's his. Right. Anyway, so anyway, so here's a doctor, an esteemed, esteemed. I think he needs to be steamed. I think we should put him in a pot with a steamer and steam this guy. Yeah, I think that's the best thing for him. Make him truly and truly esteemed. Now, the, he was one of the first two fellows in the Gender Affirming Surgery Fellowship. You're right, Fellowship. At Oregon Health and Science University. Oh, did I make you upset, Oregon? Oh, my gosh. Am I happy? Oh, frankly, I don't give a damn. Okay. Now, <clears throat> gender affirming. Now, let me just get this straight. Let me just help you out. Okay. Those of you who didn't take biology, I get it. It's okay. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Now, what is it that God bestowed upon all, uh, 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 upon all creatures? What is the imperative placed upon all creatures by God? Regenerate, rejuvenate, and procreate. Regenerate, rejuvenate, and procreate. Regenerate, rejuvenate, and procreate. I.e., go forth and multiply. 
Okay, that's what we do. So you cut yourself, regenerates. Okay, so he, so all biological creatures are doing one of two things, usually. Either surviving by eating, obtaining energy and nutrients, and the second one is procreation, having babies or having sex to have babies. Two main functions of biological entities. This is not like up for debate, okay? This kind of stuff is not up for debate. It's like debating whether or not gravity exists. I mean, some people are telling me it's not gravity. It doesn't. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know what people are talking about anymore. And you know what? I don't care. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Now, I, and I'm not going to go into and hear the explanation of why men can get pregnant. I don't, I, I'm not going to, I can't, I, you know. <clears throat> Listen, there's some really serious stuff going on. Not this. Okay. Anyway, so let me just tell you about something. So anyway, so I want to familiarize you with a couple terms. One is called genotype and the other is called phenotype. Okay. So the genotype means your genes. Are you XX or XY? And actually, there's a variation on that. Uh, you can have what's called Klinefelter syndrome, which is XXY. Um, and uh, what is it? What about one on one in a thousand men, boys born, uh, are uh, uh, have Klinefelters uh, with this XXY. And uh, anyway, uh, so you know, the, with the Klinefelters, they have. Uh, uh, by the way, they're not more. There's not a higher percentage of them that are uh, uh, their sexual preference is homosexuality not a higher percentage. Okay. So uh, even though they, uh, they may have small penises, small testicles, be unable to actually have children, or they may not, they might be, they may be okay. Um, Cause you remember, I'm not going to go into it, but there's homozygous and heterozygous. Uh, but that has uh, not, uh, for when it talks about other, other traits, but when we're talking about sexual characteristics, it's different. Anyway, so genotype and phenotype. So the genotype is something you were born with, period. Period. Done. It's done. Now, genotype. Geno, 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 genetic. Geno, genetic. Oh, gene, genetic. Okay, get it? Okay, whatever. I hope you get it. Anyway, that's something you're born with. Now, phenotype is your observable characteristics. Okay, so the phenotype. So we talk about that in, in biology and in cancer a lot, you know, or in, in chronically fermenting cells. They talk about for the chronically fermenting cell phenotype, this has to happen, blah, 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 blah. You change your genetic expression and you can modify the phenotype and all that. Oh, anyway, so now there are situations, too, where um, the actual the uh, the two, the the white because there's only X and Y chromosome. That's it. I've got about uh, blah, 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 blah. There's not a Z chromosome or a W chromosome or a P chromosome. Yeah, there's just X and Y. It's just the way it was. I don't know. You know, you got any. <clears throat> I want you all who have a problem with this concept to talk to the only non-binary being in the universe, God. All right. Uh, everything else is binary, right? Up is down, front, back, yes and no, black and white. You know, it, it's a binary. I mean, computers. What you're looking at right now, ask any IT dude, do this. And you'll find out that it's all binary. It's either on or off, on or off, on or off, on or off. The phenomenal universe is binary. Period, exclamation point, period, exclamation point. Now, 
So anyway, so there's no such thing as affirming gender. Gender is, you know, what it is. So if you want to do it, do a swab. Do a swab in the inside of the thing and then do a genetic test and see if you're confused. And you might be confused by the phenotype. Okay. So what they're doing is they're changing the phenotype. They're, and and when, you, when you surgically, uh, uh, like, cut off something or, you know, like when Jeffrey Dahmer did this, what did we call it? Uh, it was not cool, right? I, I can... We can agree that, right? Good agree that Jeffrey Dahmer was kind of a, a freak, huh? Uh, anyway, uh, he was kind of a freak. You know, call that mutilation. He mutilated people, put them in the refrigerator. I think he ate them. Hmm. All kind of sounds sickly familiar. Uh, anyway, um, but anyway, even plants, even plants. When it goes down to plants, I got to tell you something. Even plants. Plants have what they call inconsistent males. That means some of them fruit and some of them don't fruit uh, because they have two different sets. But it's like each flower or, you know, it's 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 fair. But these things, they don't procreate. They can't they don't really procreate. And for a reason, they found out why it doesn't is because the uh, you know, when they have recombinations, recombinant weird things happen between the X and the Y chromosomes. They wind up with maladaptive and unable to procreate. So it just doesn't. It doesn't work. So basically, we're stuck with X and Y. So you don't change gender. You don't change genotype. You change phenotype. You can change phenotype. You can have surgical operations and change phenotype, but you haven't changed gender. So if we're going to be uh, bizarre and weird and uh, sick, uh, let's at least try to use the right language, okay? Can we try to use the right language? Remember, genetic manipulation, I mean, um, a linguistic manipulation. So, you know, anyway, as a, uh, here's the thing. A child, you know, if you, got, if you want to do something to your body, that's okay. Do it. But, I mean, like a child doesn't even know yet. Remember, at, not until, now they're talking about five-year-old gender reassignment. They have never, they, they're not even in theta yet. I mean, not even in alpha yet. They're still kind of, uh, t- they're, they're just dreaming. Life is a dream. That's a great song. Right? I don't know if you guys won't know it. It's way back, way back when. What a great song. But anyway, um, <clears throat> like, you know, five, six, seven, you know, it's like being, a, you know, in a dream, a dream is similar to a similar to a, 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 a phase in meditation when you're meditating, where you're just watching your thoughts, but you're not grabbing them. You're not contemplating and they're just going, you know, yeah. Well, 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 children are just taking a, a, a video photograph, video, they're videographers, and they're collecting data, and it all goes into the subconscious. But they're not yet able to make these decisions. Okay. Anyway, uh, so yeah, like I said, there's Kleinfeld, there's, uh, which is XXY, but anyway. So now, the next, okay, let me get into the questions, though. Yeah, 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 T-Rex, that's it. Uh, so if we have gender assigning, assigning reassignment, can we do species reassignment? Okay. I don't think, why not? Right. Cause there are, uh, I I've heard of the phenomenon of furries. So perhaps we can have a species <clears throat> reaffirming surgeries. All right. There you go. Come on, doctor. Uh, what's your name? Peters. Yeah. Go, go beyond man. Don't just stick with this. Go beyond dude. Come on. Let's see you turn up. Little girl into a male dog, or I'm not a male horse. Come on, man. Come on. Hey, 
<clears throat> By the way, I, I, you know, I, I speak uh, fluent sarcasm, so sorry. <clears throat> now, one of the questions I had, and it was a really good question, and uh, it was uh, from someone I know who said, uh, one of them know the difference between Ebo and 10 pass ozone. And a lot of you, so uh, I can't read your stuff, otherwise I get totally confused. Anyway, uh, so the difference between Ebo and, um, um, and 10 pass. So, okay, those are good questions because those have become very popular. So basically, originally, <clears throat> we're talking about ozone therapy, right? And so originally there was a direct ozone injection, right? And you can't go past about, you know, 20 per second because otherwise, uh, up per minute, because otherwise someone will, you get like a gas embolus. So you have to do it very slowly. But so, so and someone who's really, really good at it, but still the volume of, of that you get, you know, actually, because it keeps circulating, you know, your blood circulates so quickly. So it's actually a really good method of doing it. <clears throat> but you're limited because of the gas. And then the other one is called major autohemotherapy. You've all heard of that, major autohemo. And that's where they take out about 200 or 250 cc's of blood into a, uh, a vacutainer. Usually, you know, a, a, in the old days, I don't know what they're doing now, but I hope. Anyway, uh, the glass vacutainer, right? Because ozone is pretty sharp stuff pretty oxidative. Anyway, so you put it in the glass container, so 200 cc's, and you put an equal amount of ozone, <clears throat> at anywhere from 40 up to 50, 60 uh, um, micrograms per milliliter. Um, and uh, then you gently move it like this. You gently shake it. You don't do it quickly because ozone is like very, very uh, reactive. So you gently do that, and you'll notice it turns a really bright red, and that's because 203s, which are ozone, O3, become three O2s, in other words, oxygen. So you increase the oxygenation, so it's a lot more, it's a lot redder, okay? So anyway, so that, that, that's the old uh, major autohemo. And then there was minor autohemo. I'm not sure if you've all heard of minor autohemo, but uh, um, we do that. We should be doing it still at my center. Uh, when I talk about my center right now, I'm talking about Arizona because we don't have one yet in uh, Thailand. We're working on it. real seriously it's actually happening it's not just a fantasy it's happening um thanks to some wonderful people that i've met um but minor autohemo is a very interesting thing you take out some blood you draw out let's say five cc's of blood out of the arm or port and then you add in five cc's of ozone at let's say 40 gamma and you put it into like a big either a 10 cc syringe or even bigger and shake it vigorously which you never do because you don't want to break up and everything but in this case you want to break up all the cells and break up any if there's any chronically fermenting cells you want to break them up so that there are just fragments of them all over the place and this piece and that piece and an inside piece that you would never have seen, et cetera, et cetera. It's just kind of all scrambled up there. Then you give it as a shot, intramuscular shot into the butt or the arm, usually the butt. Um, and um, what happens is the body says, oh, my God, there's an inflammatory, something's invading us and there's an inflammatory response. That means all the macrophages and all the uh, uh, natural killer cells. Everybody, everybody shows up, you know, for the for the for the situation and um 
develops an immune response, takes that information to the lymph node and develops an immune response. That's really good. So you do this about every three to four days and you keep the immune system um, alert, aware of what's going on, right? Okay, because remember, remember one of the things chronically fermenting cells learn how to do very well is to disguise themselves and to kind of like cause uh, uh, the immune cells to, to, uh, to, to be distracted. And they, and they actually, actually, unfortunately, in the tumor microenvironment, what we're seeing is that these, these cells are actually turning. So macrophages are now becoming tumor-associated macrophages, and they're actually helping, helping the tumor grow and things like that. So anyway, so by, by continually reminding the immune system that um, what's going on is, 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 is what we call major, uh, minor autohemo. Okay. So there's major autohemo, minor autohemo, and there's direct gas. And then there became, and then there became 10 pass. And then there became um, uh, EBO. So <clears throat> 10 pass is done under hyperbaric conditions, hyperbaric and usually about two atmospheres. And so as the blood's drawn, now they heparinize it, but they don't have to use as much heparin. You see, if you see when I when you do the major autohemo, you take only 200 cc's of blood out, right? But you got to put a, a lot of, of heparin in there. Heparin is something to make something to make the blood not clot because you want it to not clot, otherwise you can't get it back in. Okay, so if you did if you wanted to do more than 250, you'd fi- you'd have to do by the time you were on your second or third one, you'd have too much heparin going in the body and you'd start bleeding. So you can't do that. So that's why they ha- you know so they came up with hyperbaric. If you keep high pressure, two atmospheres uh, of, of the you know drawing it out and pushing it in, you can do it with the same amount of heparin, right? And you can do it. It, it prevents the um, so you can go up to ten passes, right? But uh, but again, it's still, when we looked at the overall effects, um, I mean, although amazing, uh, uh, it's just the volume was not enough. So then I think it was, was it 19, when was it? Early 2000s, they came up with Ebo. Um, and... Um, Uh, let me see here. Right, right, right. So maximum delivery. <clears throat> so EBO, which, which, which basically stands for ex- extra corporeal. So that all that means, okay, don't, don't, don't freak. That's an easy word. Extra means outside of corporeal stands for corpus. Corpus is the Latin word for, for body. Right, well, that's where we get the word "corpse" from. So, extracorporeal blood oxygenation and ozonation. Right, ebo, e b o o. That's all it means. Okay. So, in other words, what does that mean? Extracorporeal. That means blood is taken out, and outside of the body, it mixes with ozone and oxygen, and it's usually zero point five to one uh, ratio. It mixes. And then all that mixing takes place, and then it goes back into this cat, into this arm. Well, it turns out you can do like 4,800 milliliters, which is about five liters of blood in an hour, which means you've basically ozonated the entire blood system. We ha- we have about five liters. That's about our the average amount of blood, depending. You know, it depends if you're. 
you know, basketball players, I'm sure, have a little more than five liters, and then other some other people have less. But the point is this: that uh, uh, that's pretty good. So you can basically do it all with the Ebo. Now, one of the other things that Ebo, uh, the new Ebo machines are doing is they're using filters, micro micrometer filters, micrometer filters. So, and, and what they're finding, unfortunately, sadly, tragically, in um, people who people who unfortunately let fear uh, didn't have a strong enough uh, core of knowledge, I guess, to fend off the fear. Because you see, the fear that they use, the Rockefellers and those guys, the fear that they use is so powerful that it basically produces what we would have to refer to as a psychological frontal lobotomy, where your frontal, your prefrontal cortex is no longer communicating too well with your uh, mid and hind brain. Yeah. And so then you're, so you're operating out of fear. Anyway, so out of fear, people have been getting these uh, certain injections, which we don't need to mention, but as a, one of the problems we're seeing are these large blood clots. So the nice thing about the Ebo is that it'll, it, if it's got a, a, a micrometer filter, it'll it'll pick them up, it'll grab them and take them out, and you you know you can see them and they're 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 big and they're big and they're terrible and you certainly don't need them. Um, so yeah, right. So I mean, yeah, someone here is talking about, and they also added ultraviolet. Ultraviolet is very very good too. And you can do that. Uh, I happen to have, uh, we happen to have at our center in Arizona, the uh, one of the originals, uh, not machines, and um, for ultraviolet blood radiation. Very, very amazing stuff. Very, very amazing. I got to tell you guys something about ultraviolet blood radiation, just in case you don't know. It's very, very important. <clears throat> and that is this. There was a Dr. George Miley back in uh, 1936. He was at Hahnemann Hospital in Philadelphia. And he was an obstetrical surgeon. Um, and uh, so he had uh, uh, one of the original knot machines, which is a, a ultraviolet blood irradiation. Basically, the, they take the blood out, they expose it to ultraviolet light and put it back in. That's all just light. Okay. But the light activates all sorts of things. And, you know, and again, I want you to think about it. Think about this. This is very, uh, uh, should be thought provoking. Okay. And that is this. The hemoglobin, which is the structure, which is the, the protein where the iron is that holds the oxygen, the hemoglobin molecule is the same as uh, uh, chlorophyll. And as you all know, chlorophyll is uh, what plants have, and that's how they take the sunlight and they actually can use that energy to produce uh, to produce carbohydrates and, and, and amino acids and um, fats and all the stuff that they do, plus, you know, oxygen and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, it's, that's really, really, uh, you know, kind of thought provoking. Why would our blood have the same kind of molecular structure that would be receptive, that would grab light? In other words, they call it photoreceptive in chemistry. 
why why would they have that that would, that would grab light, light? Why would our blood have that? So anyway, that's not a question that I can I'm about to answer. Uh, I mean that I can answer. I mean I can make some assumptions that perhaps we can live on only light if we were more evolved, spiritually evolved. I don't know what it really means, but I just know that God made no whipped cream. God didn't make whipped cream. He didn't make things. It he she it God it what what has not been made except by humans are things that are not useful. Okay, everything in nature has an has multiple precise functions. That's it. Nature is highly functional, and it and it operates under the law of necessity. And that's what that's what it does, right? Okay, so for some reason, our hemoglobin is a photoreceptive molecule. <clears throat> anyway, so when that happens with the ultraviolet light, it actually brings in a lot of energy, stimulates a lot of processes, and it's amazing. So what Dr. George Miley was able to do as a surgeon, and by the way, he published this in the American Journal of Surgery in 1941. And uh, and uh, so he was taking up women who had had obstetrical surgeries. They were probably, uh, you know, maybe they had, um, uh, C, I don't know if they had C-sections, or I think some of them had C-sections. The other ones had just, you know, you know how obstetricians, unlike... Unlike midwives, I mean, the midwives are beautiful. They just, they keep, they, 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 they hold, they hold it down. You know, when, when a woman's giving birth, they'll hold it down and they'll stretch it and they'll work with it and work with it until the baby can come out. The obstetricians, I know, because I was, I did that at the beginning, are taught to cut, cut. And then you sew it up later. It's an extra procedure, right? Uh, it's called an episiotomy. We got a name for it. Hmm. Okay, so they sew it up. You don't have to do that. Um, but anyway, um, anyway, anyway, let me get back to ozone. Um, um, let me get, get back to George Miley. So um, what he found, what he did was with the obstetrics uh, is, that, is, that, is that if, if blood, bacteria got into the blood and they got a condition called sepsis, and normally you would have to use high doses of antibiotics, which they didn't have in those days. They didn't have it. In fact, I think it was 1942, was it, that penicillin came out? Like the year after that publication in uh, in uh, the American Journal of Surgery. Um, and anyway, um, so he would have, he would take women who had, you know, three, he had three classes of women. One, w- one were uh, uh, just, they had just positive blood cultures, but they weren't really sick yet. The second group, moderately, uh, were, had positive blood cultures. In other words, there were bacteria in the blood and they were really sick. And then the third were what they called moribund in those days. I think today we would call it septic shock. Okay, so he had three groups. And he found, and is the data that he reported, he did this, he did this study from 1931 through, was it, one? Uh, I mean, 36 through 40, 1940, like a four or five year um, uh, study. And then he published the results. Peer reviewed, right? Uh now, what he found was that all of the ones that had mild, they were just um, bacterial positive blood, 100% gone, healthy, resolved. Those who had moderate, in other words, they had positive blood cultures and they were really sick, 100%. I'm not making it up. The third, what they called moribund or septic shock, only 45%, but that's the same as we get today, 
it within our ICUs with all of our special stuff. And why is that? Because it's no longer just the bacteria in the blood. The ba if you have a certain kind of bacteria called gram-negative bacteria, they which are ones that you're going to run into when you have a problems down in that area of the body. Gram negatives are, for example, E. coli and those kinds that are in the in the bowel. And, you know, there's a lot of exchange. Anyway, gram negative uh, bacteria can produce what are called endotoxins. So it's a toxin that gets released. And these toxins cause what's called shock, where they, 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 they cause the arteries and the, and the vessels, and the blood vessels to just dilate so the blood can't circulate and you go into shock. So you're no longer dealing with just these organisms and the immune system. It's no longer an immune system. It's a it's an adaptive physiological uh, response. It's completely different. Okay, but I just so that's UBI. So UBI is very important. Ultraviolet blood irradiation, amazing stuff. And now what they have, most of the machines they have. So whoever was writing that, most of the machines they have are they're usually either uh, ultraviolet A, B, or C, or A or C, right? A is usually for chronically fermenting cells. C is usually for uh, Infection, infectious, you know, like bacteria, stuff like that. Um, the B you want to avoid, but, but they say you want to avoid. However, the original knot machine had all had a, had a full spectrum. And now they're doing, again, I was at an ozone conference recently, and they're using UBI as well, and they're all doing that. So now the EBO machines have not only the filter, the ozone, and the ultraviolet light. So these are like amazing machines. Anyway, they're all really fantastic. But I would say EBO, if you had a choice... Do the EBO because you can. If you do that once a once a week, imagine once a week, you're going to have your entire blood ozonated. Now you know, yeah. So why is that so important? Well, ozone. Uh, you know, one of the. Uh, you know, so basically, EBO is, is is dialysis, right? Takes your blood out, does something over here, and goes back in. Um, when ozone is a highly reactive. Uh, a molecule, okay, O3. So when it goes into the blood, now the blood, remember, is 55% plasma and about 45% cells. Cells are Most of those cells are red blood cells. Some are white blood cells. But the plasma means the, 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 the non-cellular portion of the blood, which is just the liquid portion of the blood, right? So when it gets into there, it produces what are called reactive oxygen species, right? Lots of ROS, reactive oxygen, free radicals. They don't last very long. They don't last very long because of the antioxidant potential of uh, in our blood, of, of what we have going around in our blood, right? And uh, so, you know, uh, uh, yeah. So now, however, there's, there's albumin and there's other kinds of glycoproteins and lipoproteins and lipids, fats that can be, uh, that get um, oxidized. And when you oxidize a fat, you get lipid oxidation products. And lipid oxidation products, unlike oxygen, which are free radicals, take a long time to be neutralized, like a few minutes. That's why, that's why smoking a cigarette is actually a safer thing to do than eating fried uh, French fries. Right? Because French fries has, is going to produce... Uh, uh, per, uh, peroxidized uh, is, is uh, lipid oxidation products, which lasts for minutes. The person who takes a puff off a cigarette is going to get perhaps 2 million, 20 million, 10, 20, 10 million, I don't know, uh, free radicals in their blood that within a second or a maximum one second are neutralized. But they keep puffing. I, I'm, not, not, I'm not advocating smoking by any means. Uh, they keep puffing, so they're going to really, really overdo their uh, ability to do that. 
but 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 what I'm saying is that the French fries, you know, you eat a whole bunch of French fries and, and uh, let's say uh, some, what a fried chicken or you know a burger or whatever thing. When you only fried fat, you're going to wind up with these. Uh, uh, they call them LOPs, lipid optimization products, which are really really dangerous. Well, what what they find with ozone is that ozone causes the reactive oxygen species in the blood, but they also cause the production of what are called um, lipid oxidation products. Uh, and there's, an, there's a way to test it. It's called T-bars, um, thiobutyric acid uh, reductant. So anyway, th th you don't need to know those words. But anyway, it's a way of looking at the oxidative stress that a system is under, a biological system is under. And you can compare the T-bars to the uh, thiols. Thiols are like glutathione, things like that, okay? So what happens is that goes way up and this goes way down, right? So in other words, uh, after after this treatment. Okay, so what does that do? What do these T-bars do? What do these, uh, do these, the, the, these reactive lipids do? They then go to, um, and they can get into, they, 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 they produce something called selenic acid and then, and then blah, 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 and the other compounds that go into cells and stimulate NRF2. Now NRF2, you may you may know is a uh, transcription factor. You may not know, but anyway, they, it stimulates the NRF2, which then in transcription meaning genes, then goes in and it upright it upregulates and turns on over 220 genes that are involved in antioxidants called ARE uh, antioxidant uh, whatever it's called anyway antioxidant system. So it turns on the our own bodies our own cellular capability of uh, antioxidation. Okay, so now we are highly, highly, highly antioxidant, which why is that important? Because all of these chronic conditions that we talk about, whether it's chronically fermenting cells or arthritis or cardiac conditions or, or uh, uh, blood sugar problems or any, all these high blood pressure, all these chronically things, um, uh, uh, are helped, are helped. We, we start to knock down that chronic inflammation. This is why ozone is so important for not only for chronically fermenting cells, but anything else that's chronic. Okay, very, very important stuff. Now, um, uh, I noticed a big drop off here of people. So I guess uh, I was offensive. Now, remember, I was just talking, I was talking about uh, reassigning Gender. I'm just trying to let y'all know that you can't reassign gender because it doesn't, it's unreassignable unless you went to every of the 100 trillion cells in the body and went in there and hmm, what would you do? Take out a Y and put in a whatever. I don't know what you do. I don't think it's possible. Uh, anyway, so hey, it's okay. It's okay. I don't think it's cool with children. I think it's wonderful. What any adult wants to do to themselves, do it. Do it. Don't do it to others. Uh, just do um, just do to yourself. Um, and give the kids a chance to grow up and make their own minds up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, so let me see. So I talked to you about the um, the, uh, the T-bars, right? Thiobutyric thio acid reactive substances, right? Which are blah, 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 blah. So, okay. So all of that happens within four, five to seven minutes of starting, starting getting the ozone therapies. So the problem, the only difference between getting like uh, the major autohemo and the uh, 
and getting the uh, uh, 10 pass, again, is uh, the amount of blood that will actually get ozonated. So with the 10 pass, you'll get like 10 times the amount, which is crazy. But the EBO is like 14 times more than the 10 pass. So, uh, and, and the other thing is it's actually safer because what it's doing is in when it's outside the body and the blood and the oxygen and the ozone are mixing, they're mixing at a much lower concentrations because there was a guy, if, if uh, let me see, do I have the book here? Yeah, here it is. Look, there you guys see this book. In Europe, in Europe, they say that um, they thought the ozone therapies were considered normal. Normal. Um, only in America is it quackery, right? Okay, proud to be a quack quack. By the way, if you don't, if you're not on Quack Watch. You didn't make it. You got to be on crack one. That is a credential. So anyway, <clears throat> uh, anyway, Bocci, this was written by uh, a doctor by the name of Velio Bocci, okay? Now, what Bocci found out, one of, one of the great Italian researchers in ozone, is that um, uh, at about 70 micrograms, per milliliter of ozone, you start to hemolyze red blood cells. In other words, red blood cells start to break down. So you don't want to really go above that, okay? So you want to stay below that. Well, it turns out that the EBO, you know, 10 pass and all that can get up close, maybe 60 or so, you know, and maybe if you jump up into the 70s, you might get some hemolysis. But the EBO is way down like half that amount. So it's the safest because you run it's, it's going in smaller amounts at higher frequency outside the body. It's fantastic. So it's really like the latest and greatest and... Um, um, you know, I can't imagine um, getting better, get her better, getting better, getting better. Now, um, by the way, when when I told you that it turns on the, the, the it, it turns on the uh, the NRF2's transcription factors tell the ARE gene system to turn on genes. What do they turn on? Superoxide dismutase, glutathione, S transferase, glutathione peroxidase, um, um, yeah, all, yeah all, all, all of the antioxidant systems, all of the antioxidant systems, which are incredib critically important. Okay, so um, yeah, that's ozone. Yeah, so ozone's pretty fantastic. And uh, uh, I would recommend, uh, if you can, if you have access If you have access to uh, to an Ebo Ebo machine, or do it. And if you've got a chronically fermenting cell problem, do it. Catherine, but do you pay for those signaling molecules? Okay, they're talking about ASEA, A-S-E-A. You all know about that, redox signaling molecules, right? Um, now... I I, uh, I I have to admit I haven't have not looked into that those deeply enough, but from everything I see with the ASEA, it looks pretty amazing. It's a liquid you drink. I've still got to understand it. I don't quite understand it, so I'm, it's going to be hard for me. And I will do it. I will look into ASEA. I I have to because I have a dear friend um, uh, in Australia who really wants me to look into it. And uh, I've seen enough anecdotal 
stories uh, of people doing extremely well from drinking this liquid, ASEA, A-S-E-A. Um, and what is supposed to be as redox, um, it tastes like, it's just like a, it tastes like, it's weird. It has like, it almost tastes like a, a mildly chlorinated water. So it's not really, I don't like it. Um, but, uh, but it's, you know, it's not, that's not what it is. Um, how about Klebsiella? It doesn't matter what it is. They're all gone. Now, um, uh, yeah, but the ASEA is, uh, uh, it's, it's actually, un unfortunately expensive. And, uh, if you've got a really chronically fermenting condition, you want to drink one bottle a day. And, uh, so it could be, it could be expensive, but the point is, if it is what they say it is, it would be worth it if it does. But here's the thing. You've got the redox signaling molecules, but you've got it. It's also like you all have heard of, you probably, if you've go to any kind of practitioner, you've heard of, um, uh, NAD plus, right? You can get injections of NAD plus. That is very good. And especially the older you get, because you're making less NAD plus. Now, NAD plus is the um, oxidized form of, um, I mean, I'm sorry, the reduced form of NAD, which is very, very important because uh, it's it's got molecules to give. Right. But the problem is it's very, very difficult to it was very, very difficult to actually put into a, uh, a, 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 a in a condition where you can actually administer it to someone and it's not going to react before it gets to where you want it to get to or that it's going to react or, or, or is hard to keep and keep it stable. Right. Uh yeah, I'm just reading here. Someone says ozone is expensive, $260 per 30 minutes. It's, yeah, I know. I don't know why they have to do that. Why do they have to do that? Why, why? You know, I I mean, I, it's all expensive to get these therapies. I know that. And what I would like, what, I, what I'm, what I'm going to make sure we do is that, um, you know, here in Thailand is is, is that uh, if, if you know some equipment that we've paid for, it's already paid for. Okay, so it doesn't you know the the investment doesn't have to be come back right away. And I've got some wonderful wonderful people I'm working with who agree with me. It's really beautiful. I have the most wonderful investors in the world, the first investors I've ever met who said, "We just want your dream to come true." And my dream is to help people. You know, it's just. Weird dream, um, but uh, um, and anyway, so they said that well, that's all, you know. These and then uh, they said that we don't want to go too much negative, but I mean, can you imagine investors saying this? So we're going to be able to keep it down. But so I think that these kinds of things. So if you've paid a lot here, three fifty for an ozone. So if you've paid a lot, of like like if it's something that where they're using, like if they're giving a special kind of. IV with with something in it that that costs a lot of money. You can't really reduce it, but you don't want to start. You know, you you can't. You got to make enough money to pay your nurses and to pay everybody. You got to be able to do that. But you know, the profit margins don't need to be high. You know, so that everybody comes to you and you're making this much profit on each person, but you've got all these people, so you're making a lot of money and you're still okay. They're okay. Everybody's okay. Right. We don't have to think the other way around. You know, what really blows my mind is that when I uh, when things are in shortage. The price goes up. What the heck? 
what, what are people thinking? It's in shortage or. Uh, yeah, I don't I, I Anyway, anyway. Very difficult. Greed. Greed is uh, is just I don't understand it. I really I, tr I, tr I truly don't understand it. I don't know how you could not have enough. If you have enough, if you're lit, you know, I'm eating, I'm, I'm, I've got a place to live. I got, uh, I got enough. I got enough. I have enough around me. I'm okay. But this guy's not. He's not okay or she's not okay. So I'm not okay if they're not okay. I got to be, if they're not okay, how can I be okay? Unless I pretend like they don't exist. Anyway, so um, anyway, I <clears throat> go off on these things, but uh, I, I don't know how not to. Um, anyway, the oxidative stress of ozone causes the body to become extremely powerfully antioxidant. Plus, you increase the oxygenation of the blood, right? That's another great thing. So it was really good. And it turns out there was a great study done way back when, was it? I thought I saw that somewhere, um, where uh, they were looking at people with peripheral artery disease, artery diseases. And now this goes right along with those of you who might be experiencing um, um, paresthesias from, uh, from, from having had certain kinds of chemotherapeutic drugs, right? You've got like a numbness and tingling and that kind of thing going on like that. Okay, the ozone will help that. Yeah, it will help that. It goes in there, and you can actually re reawaken those endothelial cells, the cells that line the link, uh, the, the 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 small blood, all blood vessels. The other thing, remember, is one of the greatest ways to re <clears throat> rejuvenate the endothelial system, which are the cells that line the blood vessels. One of the greatest ways is to um, uh, is fasting. Mm -hmm. Beta-hydroxybutyrate, which is one of the main uh, uh, ketone bodies in the breakdown of fat, stimulates uh, endothelial growth and proliferation, right? And that's a very a whole, a whole other topic, which is really important. So fasting, ozone, it all turns out to be the same. There's never a different answer, it turns out. And uh, no matter how many times we get asked, uh, it's the same old question where is it now okay now uh, where are my questions where are the questions hey there we go cool got them all right well lost them all right got them okay yeah ah, ah, ah. so here if we uh here's a question Is there any detox we can do to protect us from cancer? What's your detox center? Huh? Well, of course, uh, all of us need to uh, detoxify because we accumulate toxins. In fact, all conditions, including aging, are a result of accumulated toxins. Okay, so accumulated toxins over time will do that. They'll finally affect the endocrine organs, which then means hormones go down and you get into old age, you know, or you get into aging, not old age. You can be old. You can be old and uh, vibrant and healthy, right? But anyway, um, so detox. So it's good. Four I would just say if you're, if you're otherwise healthy, I would say four times a year, 
do 10 days of, 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 a, of, a, of a water fast if you could, uh, or at least do 10 days of a juice cleanse, fresh juice, uh, very just enough apple or whatever to sweeten it to make it so that it is uh, tasty because you want it to taste delicious, but don't make it too sweet. Okay, don't make it too sweet. Um, 10 days a week, do it at the two solstices and the two equinoxes. Yeah, do that, minimum. And then eat less, eat uh, in a six-hour window so that you don't eat for 18 hours and stop eating four to five hours before bed. And if you do that, it's fantastic. And then if you skip one day a week, yeah. And if you're eating really, really, really uh, nutrient-dense food, you don't have to worry about it. And remember something, you don't have to get every nutrient every day. So you can do, you can just say, you know, today you're going to eat, I'm going to eat a lot of uh, uh, extra chia, extra uh, avocado. And then next day I'm going to, you know, whatever. It's not that you're not going to eat them. Try to eat a little bit every day of everything if you can, but you don't have to. Don't get so worried about it. Okay. Just make sure that over the week you got it all a thousandfold and you will, you can. Okay. Now, um, <clears throat> Anyone on Herceptin and Progita still go for alternative treatments? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No reason why you can't. Um, and you'll find that you probably won't need them anymore after a while. Does the Stop Making Cancer course give ideas for supplements? You know, I, you know, I, 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 I gosh, I don't really remember. And if not, I'm going to go check it. And if not, I'm going to put it in there. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I will make sure. Thank you for asking me and reminding me that. Okay, recommended uh, fasting time frame during chemo is 24 hours before and during treatment, 48 hours enough. Yeah, and then also, you remember, this is all, if you want to read about it, you guys go, uh, uh, Professor Longo, uh, he was originally at USC. I don't know if he's still there, uh, University of Southern California. Uh, and um, yeah, that, that, but that's what he was doing before, during, and then after. But I, and I think he was more focused on during and after a couple days. And but I but but the during but the before is very important because if you're fasting 24 hours before you get a chemo, especially if you're doing maximum tolerated doses, if you're fasting uh, before that, then you got to remember something. What's happening is your healthy cells are getting stronger because they're saying, oh, no, there's no food. And so they really ramp up their strength and they start doing that thing. And the uh, chronically fermenting cells are like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And that's it. It's a good it's a good deal. It's a good deal. Um, what, uh, what 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 I do to avoid taking aromatase inhibitors? OK, now aromatase inhibitors, as you all may know, are um, there are. Uh, cells in our body that produce an enzyme called aromatase. Aromatase changes, it's an enzyme that changes uh, um, androgens, which are male hormones, into uh, estrogen. So testosterone into estrogen. Uh, Androstenedione into estrone and things like that. Yeah. So uh, the aromatase inhibitors prevent that. Now, if you're on that because you are estrogen receptor positive, um, they don't, for some reason, they're, all, they're only measuring it in breasts and sometimes ovary, but they should measure it in pancreas, lung, colon, prostate, because they're all 
have estrogen receptors. And fortunately, they have beta receptors too, which do some good, which are which shrink. So we've talked about that before. Um, but anyway, one of the problems if you are a, uh, a woman who's gone through menopause, whether it's surgical or uh, or natural, um, your your even the adrenal glands are not making estrogens anymore. The adrenal, because of course, of course, the ovaries are not. But the adrenal glands are making the androgens and the androgens travel to and get modified in the fat cells. So even if you're not an overweight woman and you're postmenopausal and you're, you still have breasts, if you still have breasts, um, then the fat in the breasts will convert the androgens into estrogens. And they've even found that you can have higher amounts of estrogen in the breast than you do in the blood. So that's, uh, uh, yeah, so that's, so in those cases, um, so what I, what I recommend absolutely is eat a ton of soy and flax because those will bind to the beta and bind to the alpha mildly enough to block it. So it's really, really, really effective. But in addition, if you're on an aromatase inhibitor, so in, I know the side effects are terrible and all that. So maybe just decrease it. So instead of usually it's like one mil, uh, like of the uh, uh, Arimidex, it's usually like one milligram a day, uh, a day, right? Every day. So go to one milligram three times a day or half a milligram five times a day or something like that. Or just you go way, way down or one milligram three times a, uh, a few times a day, three times a week one milligram three times a week, just decrease it and eat lots of soy, stuff like that. Cause you just want to keep those down for at the while. Once you your body has changed, remember it takes a little over a year for us to have a whole new body. So once we have a whole new body, uh, then we can treat ourselves differently. Yeah. Okay. So now are we still being, is everything okay here? You guys? Yeah. 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 After 16 chemos, mind you, and I still have my hair and go to the gym the day after. Yay. Right on. Flax and chia every morning. Yay, Michael. Cool. Okay, what causes night sweats? Um, anyway, uh, you know, not, it depends. But, but remember, sweating or fever is good. It's always a way to activate the immune system. You want to activate the immune system because there are so many things in the world that are suppressing the immune system. So anything you can do to activate it is good. That's why saunas are great. That's why I, one of the one of the one of the trillion benefits of exercise. But I mean, yeah. So yeah. Uh, but so if you're getting night sweats, that means your body is right now going through something where it needs to. Um, activate the immune system so praise the lord so uh <clears throat> yeah yeah whole new body right think about that why do i say that why would i say such an outrageous thing this guy's crazy where did he go to medical school my god what did, whatever, whatever, whatever. well get online and find out how many new cells we're making per minute uh, per second well, I mean, a lot of them are red blood cells, so you can't, you know, but but if you took the red blood cells and all the others, it comes to around 37 million new cells per second. So if you're talking about 37 million new cells per second, just do the math. Maybe a year and two minutes, three months. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Skin. New skin every six weeks. Retina. The part of the back part of your eye that sees every 48 hours, new rods and cones. Rods are what? That's how we see black and white. Cones are how we see color. That's what those are. Okay. Um, liver. Got a new one every six months. New one every six months. The lining of your gastrointestinal tract. Every three days, new, 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 new. So, yeah, this is a dynamic process, man. You weren't born with a body and you're stuck with it. Like, And if you think you got the same body you were born with, I want you to grab some baby pictures and take a look and say, hmm. Or how about take a picture of your, take a look at yourself last year, two years ago. Same? Nah. This is a dynamic thing. Keeps happening. Keeps happening. Okay. Uh, uh, what would you re- What would you recommend treat stage four breast cancer ER positive? Same thing. Uh, Monia, uh, Monia. Same thing. Everything. Uh, like I said, lots of soy, lots of flax. Do some first. Do some cleansing. Clean out your colon. Do a do a do a three week, four week, five week juice cleanse if you can. If you're really, really, really thin and you can't go as long as you can, uh, get some lymphatic work. Get to bed early. Do movement all day long. Uh, start eating only real food, which is food that the earth produces, right? And get lots of soy, 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 soy. Natto, miso, tempeh, tofu, like that. Yeah. Flax, chia. Okay, thoughts on MTHFR gene, healing triple positive breast, uh, chronically fermenting cells, doing coffee enemas uh, daily. Okay. So methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase is... Um, a gene um, that's, you know, really important with like, with what we call a, vi- a vitamin called folate production, uh, um, dealing with folate and adding methyl groups and things like that. And uh, so now here, here's the problem I have. Um, usually genes that don't work, that, that are not for the benefit of the individual, Usually the individuals aren't really good at reproducing and they don't stay in the gene pool that long. So these, these things kind of, you know, so my question is, you know, how, how did this happen? When, when did it first start happening? Um, I'm just wondering what they're doing with this. How did we, how did this all of a sudden become an issue? I mean, that's, isn't that weird? Imagine that. Oh, we just found out. Oh, yeah, yeah, we just found out. So no, uh, no. Anyway, it turns out it is a big deal. Um, it turns out it's a big thing. But you know, um, so of course, you know, folates and I mean deficiencies in like folate, choline, vitamin B twelve, B six, riboflavin. Most of those are all the B. Those are the of the the family of B complex. So you just take them, take a B complex. Or guess what? It turns out. It turns out it turns out that we always go back to the same truth. 
And what I love about the truth is that it just, no matter what you do to it, no matter how much you hammer it and all that, it can't change it. It's immutable. It's immutable. Anyway, turns out that beans, peas, lentils, you can sprout them. If you're cooking, you can cook them. Okay. You're going to get the things that you, that we're talking about, the B vitamins. Okay. Spinach, asparagus, beets, broccoli, corn, Brussels sprouts, bok choy, all the cruciferous vegetables. You're going to get all that stuff, right? Okay. Um, different kinds of fruits and vegetables. Um, sun, sun, sunflower seeds, other seeds, seed butters, pumpkin seed butters. By the way, you guys got to go to Omega Nutrition. It's a company in Canada. And get their pumpkin seed butter. I'm telling you, you got to just get ready for the newest addiction. I'm telling you, pumpkin seed butter from Omega Nutrition in Canada. Uh, yeah, I've been a, a happy addict for um, ooh, 12 years, 13 years. Yeah. Can chia cause gout? No, 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 no. It does not. You don't have to take B vitamins, my friend. Eat all the veggies. Turns out if you eat right, if you eat healthy, none of, most of this stuff does not is, is a non-issue. Okay, so let's go back here. Um, so what to do if you don't do chemo, then, you know, congratulations. Um, there's so many things you can do. Ozone, vitamin C, you got to do colonics, you got to do cleansing, you got to do... Uh, uh, lymphatics, you've got to do, you've got to wake up your immune system. You've got to, you know, by maybe using IL-2, using thymus and alpha-1, which is a peptide. There's so many things you can do. You got to get in touch with me. Go to, go to, go, 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 go to my website, drlody.com. How is the best way to prepare for a three-day fast? Water fast, keto diet, juicing. You don't really, honestly, a three-day fast is not, I mean, it's, 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 it's impossible for it to be dangerous, but the hardest part, remember, the hardest part about fasting, there's two hard, there's two difficulties, two major challenges with water fasting. <clears throat> Number one is the mind coming, coming, well, first of all, coming to the conclusion that you're going to do it, because most people resist that. But you finally say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Now, remember, there is a difference between appetite and hunger. Okay? Hunger is a natural, unlearned, nonspecific set of physiological responses uh, as a consequence of either a nutrient or uh, energy deficit. And it results in a in a complex pattern of behavior that results in obtaining food and eating it. And once that nutrient and or uh, uh, energy deficit has been satisfied, then the, the activities cease. This is in, uh, this is hunger. Now appetite, completely different creature, not natural, not learned, very specific. It includes cravings. And uh, by the way, the hunger is easily satisfied, right? Like you said, as soon as the nutrient and or uh, energy deficit has been satisfied, it stops. 
right? So it's easily satisfied. The uh, appetite's never satisfied. So it's an abnormal. Appetite is born of the mind. Hunger is born of physiology of the body. So please keep in mind that um, Not, you know the the, the 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 one of the big you know the big couple challenges at the beginning are one deciding to do it number two is the the ripping apart and dissecting and separating hunger and appetite because we don't know which is which one easy way to know is that if you know what you want to eat then don't then it's an appetite I gotta have a don't. Gotta have a don't. Oh, I'm hungry. All right, that's cool. That's cool. Sounds sounds better. Uh, but not if you're saying it every 10 minutes or three times a day. And we mistake, by the way, most of us, most of us mistake hunger for the gastric irritation and movement of a stomach that's finally empty. And you ever notice that uh, if you the later you eat, the hungrier you are in the morning or sooner? Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Later you eat, the earlier in the morning you think you're hungry. So anyway, when the stomach finally is empty and starts to go, okay, starts to producing its gastric acid and all that sort of thing, then we say, I'm hungry. Well, you know, here's the thing. When you start to get that movement and all that, right? And I got hunger pains. There's no such thing as hunger pains. If you've seen, if you've been to any countries, I got off the plane back in a long time ago. When before Louis Vuitton, before Starbucks, before before the world had one monoculture, I got off the plane in uh, as a young man, very young man, not even old enough to vote. I got off the plane in uh, Bombay, Mumbai. It was the beginning of a couple years of my life that are. right up there with uh, birth and death, very important parts of life. Um, I saw hunger. And it was not what I see here. It's not what I see here. When I say here, I mean in America. It's not what I see. It's not what I see in the Western world. You know. And when I hear someone say, oh, I'm starving. Don't ever say that unless you are starving. If you haven't eaten in a few hours, if you haven't eaten in, if you haven't eaten in 20 days, maybe 30 days, okay. Anyway, usually it's not a pain. The pain comes later and the pain comes usually with, you know, loss of albumin and bloating stomachs and you've got, you know, all this, you know, the ascites you get and, you know, usually it's a weakness, it's a longing, it's a sadness, it's, you know, there's a whole different things that comes along with hunger. So anyway, so for the three day preparing for three day cleanse, the best thing I can say for any kind of fast, the best way to do it is 
why don't you start, make sure that you eat only within a six hour window. So stop eating four hours before sleep. And then, so let's say you're going to go to bed at nine, you stop eating at 5 p.m. And then you can eat again at 11. That's not bad. 11 to five, you put your fork down at five. That's cool. 12 is better. 12 to five would be even better. One to five would be the best. Anyway, whatever. But by doing that, you're going to get your body used to it. And also, if you're the, another way to prepare for a, for a fast is to start eating food that's real food. Real food is still alive. It's growing, right? It's still growing. It's still producing. You know, it's, uh, you know. So you're addicted to, Catherine, you're addicted to grow, go raw. Oh, I got to taste those. Well, listen, I'll tell you what, Catherine. I'll taste go raw. You taste omega. Let's see if we can split up our addictions. <clears throat> the link, I don't know. It must be on omegatnutrition.com. Is it? I can't, I can't, can I do that? Let's see, Omega Nutrition. And by the way, I don't work for this company or have any kind of affiliation. I'm just one of their addicts. There, yeah, that's it, OmegaNutrition.com. Who would have thought? Uh, I don't know, yeah. Okay, you guys, where are we? Let's go back here, okay, now. Next question. Uh, well, okay, so I hope you got that. Um, now, next question is, please talk about autism. Why the rate is 1 in 36 compared to 1 in 10,000 30 years ago? Well, when I get my rumble station, when I get my rumble station, we'll talk about that in some detail. In the meantime, I recommend everybody go to Children's Defense League, which is Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s. He's been doing this for years. He's got all the re I got research, published, peer-reviewed research on it, and I think you'll find the answer there. But let me just say that I think you probably know, and I know, and... Um, we all be better off if if I don't say that right now because when I get it when I get on another kind of platform we'll do it. Okay, is quick pasteurization of fats just as bad as high heat roasting? Well, you know, here's the thing: when you're doing something quick like stir frying or whatever that I don't know what quick pasteurization means, but anyway, you're heating it up quickly and for a short time. Of course, you're not going to get as many of the reactive. Um, lipid, you know, lipid oxidation products, you're not going to get as many. So I guess it's not as bad, right? So I guess it would say it's probably not as bad. So uh, let's go to this. Uh, let's see, what is this question? Uh, L LDN information. Huh? Information who? And dosing. Oh, who who should use it? Well, uh, LDN, as you know, low dose naltrexone. Everybody knows. Everyone, I, I recommend that anybody here who's not uh, taking narcotics for pain consider it. 
Okay, so now trexone, naloxone, naloxone, whatever it is. We use that in emergency rooms uh, to reverse instantly uh, opiate over, overdose. So if someone comes in, they're blue, they're not breathing, they're not, they can't talk and all that sort of thing, you give them that to find out because you can't ask them what they're doing, but you give them that. And if they wake up, then that means they had an opiate overdose. So it quickly blocked, you know, like the, uh, we have opiate receptors, which we, you know, we have, uh, you know, the kappa, mu, and delta, kappa, mu, and delta. And the mu ones are, the mu receptors are pretty much the ones that deal with pain. And so uh, naloxone and naltrexone, those are uh, opiate receptor blockers. So they block it. So, but it turns out that that's in, that's in high doses, right? And remember the reason we have opiate receptors, why do we have opiate receptors? Uh, because opiates, are, we produce something called um, endorphins. Endorphins is just a uh, contraction of the words of en endogenous morphine, right? So it, the, that we produce in our body, just like we have endocannabinoids, we produce uh, cannabis in, in a molecular form. And that's why we have endocannabinoid receptors and we have endo, we have uh, morphine, uh, we have opiate receptors. But anyway, so um, the thing about naltrexone in low doses, what it does is in addition to blocking the, the, these receptors, what it does, right? You say, well, wait a minute, why would I want to block my mu receptor, which is going to help me with pain? Because actually it turns out that if you block it, there's another receptor that it blocks. It's a non-opiate a, a non receptor called the a toll-like receptor, 4, TLR4. And these are receptors that are involved in, um, uh, that are found on macrophages and microglia. What are macrophages and what are microglia? Macrophages, uh, okay, you know, all white blood cells are produced in the bone marrow. And then depending on certain parts, as they start to differentiate, they'll go into different directions. You know, some turns in, some turn into, you know, basophils, eosinophils, uh, polymorphonucleosides, and lymphocytes. And then the lymphocytes go to the lymph nodes and become B cells, and they, or they go to the thymus gland, they become T cells. Well, um, the others become what are called monocytes. I mean, it's just the one. So rather, where, whereas the poly, what you're the neutrophil that you talk, we talk about, like whenever, whenever someone's getting chemotherapy, we don't want their neutrophils to go too low. Why? What are neutrophils? Neutrophils are the guys that are on girls, guys, it, uh, they are the ones that are on the scene to do what? To kill and eat and grab and swallow um, bacteria. So they prevent sepsis. Okay, so that's what happens with one of the things that high-dose chemo does is it lowers the neutrophil so low that you just brushing your teeth or having a constipated bowel movement or banging into something, anything that could probably dislodge uh, bacteria into your blood, you can't protect yourself from it. Okay. So, um, anyway, so those are, those are neutrophils, but they have many, uh, the, 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 the nucleus has got all these kind of areas. So they call it poly, uh, mono, po, po, polynuclear morphocytes, poly, poly mononuclear, uh, uh, lymphocytes. Okay. Neutrophil, neutrophils, neutrophils. Okay, so anyway, but the monocyte just one. So monocytes go through the blood, they exit the blood, and they go to different organs. So, and, and where they act, where they turn into tissue macrophages, and tissue macrophages are little 
white blood cells that actually engulf, eat foreign matter, including bacteria, funguses, the whatever the heck viruses are, whatever we're talking about there, exosomes, um, and also chronically fermenting cells or anything like that, anything that's anything that's no longer part of the body, right? <clears throat> or um, and so if it goes into the liver, it's called Kupfer cells, right? Um, and you know they're, they're, they have different kinds of names. Well, if it's in the brain and in the in the, in the um, nervous system, they're called microglia glial cells. So anyway, they carry with them all these uh, inflammatory chemicals, inflammatory cytokines, right? So um, what happens is because the naltrexone low dose will block them, they will not be able to release all of their inflammatory cytokines in, in the brain and nervous tissue. So that's important too. If you have, if you have a, 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 a peripheral neuropathy, right? From drugs, bad drugs that they gave you. Um, but Also, one other thing I want to say is that what 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 we have noticed is that all that many people who have been given the the PFIZERs and the MODERNA uh, injections, what we're finding is that there are a lot of central nervous system and peripheral nervous system pro problems as a result of them. And probably the main reason is the activated microglial cells. And these microglial cells pr pretty much produce a brain-wide inflammatory response, which can result in things like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and other kinds of dementias, right? Which is why a lot of these people that have had these injections are kind of like not the same. So, their brain chemistry is no longer the same. Anyway, this would help with that a lot. This helps with that a lot. Okay. Because, you, know, you know, when these microglial cells get activated, they produce inflammatory and excitatory factors. Um, it messes up your sleep. It messes up your cognition. messes up your everything. gives you a general, general feeling of being, eh, what do they call it, malaise. So, I mean, this whole inflammatory cascade is pretty much lowered. Why is that important? Because, remember, the underlying physiological physiology of these chronically degenerative conditions uh, is inflammation. Now, um, you know, there's, there, you know, there's, it's an interesting, there's a, that is true of the low dose naltrexone, but there's also something else. There's also something called the re, the opioid rebound. So when you block them, it causes, when you're blocking them, it causes them to like, rebound and that rebound they can actually they're actually uh, uh play a critical role in enhancing the immune system so that's another thing so the ldn i would absolutely recommend you guys recommend okay it looks like a good question i'll i'll answer that in a moment uh ernesto ernesto i will answer in a moment um Okay, so anyway, um, 
we can't I can't answer them all. Uh Here's, here's a just diagnosed with poorly differentiated carcinoma. How can I heal myself? Okay. First of all, understand that we don't do anything. We don't heal ourselves. Healing happens when we get out of the way and allow our body to have all of it. Biological needs met, our mind to have its psychological needs met, and our spirit to have its spiritual needs met. And we do that through a whole way of changing our life. We change our life and that will happen. It will happen to us. Healing will happen. And one of the way, things I can recommend is on my uh, website, drlody.com. There's uh, the uh, Stop Making Cancer video series, which needs to be improved. I'm going to add things to it as soon as I get a moment. One is the, but that beautiful question you asked me earlier about the supplement list. I don't know if it's on there. But, uh, uh, yeah, but that's what you got to do. It's poorly differentiated. It just means that it's well along its way. That's all it means. It's just lost its differentiation. Um, but it's time to cleanse. Get ready, get to do, start on a three-week, four-week, eight-week juice cleanse, fresh vegetable juices, celery, cucumber, kale, spinach, lemon, and apple is the fundamental primaries. You can add to it, play with it, do whatever you want, but those are the fundamentals. And make sure you love it, you taste good, you're going to want more. So do whatever you have to do to it to make it taste good. Don't add sugar or anything like that. Add a little extra apple if you have to. Okay, all right. But you got to do that. That's how we do this thing. That's how we. That's how we become... Now, uh, okay, uh, uh, so here's a by Paulo, Paulo Face. How? Uh, what are the benefits of bloodletting therapy? In which case is recommended? Bloodletting therapy is basically um, um, I mean, the only time medically it's done with is if someone has uh, hemosiderosis or. Um, any other kind of iron storage condition. Because when you let out blood, you're getting rid of the iron. And the problem with iron is iron has two conditions, a ferric and a ferrous. When it's in its ferric, it can, it can cause problems when it's reduced to the ferrous and cause all kinds of free radicals. And that's how it causes damage. So the someone with hemosiderosis who's collecting lots of uh, iron, excess iron, is causing this free radical damage in their liver and they're causing, uh, it's resulting in cirrhosis and things like that. So bloodletting, uh, but it happens on even a much, that's a much more profound macroscopic way of, of damage from the iron. But it's happening at a very minor, at a mild level all the time and everywhere. And then, uh, and it affects your all overall health, which is why, interestingly enough, um, that ladies, women, um, and again, I'm talking about the ones with um, ovaries and uteruses, those women, if you've had your ovaries removed, uterus removed, then you're going to lose that benefit of having a menstrual cycle. But, but by having a menstrual cycle, it's very interesting. So that women, uh, have their risk of, of, of all-cause mortality is much lower, like 10 years lower than men, until they go through menopause. And then once they go through menopause, then within a couple of years, they're now at the same risk as men. But they found out that men who donate their blood on a regular basis, um, are, are equal. So it turns out it's in the blood. So what you can do is, let's say you have blood that doesn't, you can't donate, like you have hepatitis B or C, and you can't donate it. That's it. Just go and let them take a couple hundred cc's and throw it away about every once a month. That's all. 
So it's good for everybody in, in lots of ways. And if, if you're a woman, don't don't cry over your periods unless they're uh, hurting you a lot and they're causing problems. I'm not be uh, I'm, I'm not I respect that. I respect that. You know that. I mean, you all know that. I don't have to defend myself. I respect that. But I'm just saying, uh, a lot of women, you know, if you're having if you're having periods that are not causing you disturbances, but they're, they're just like, eh, you know, it's a bloody mess. Well, it is a bloody mess. But guess what? It's really helping you. Yeah. And remember, the uh, the divine intelligence wants women to be around a little longer than men because women take care of people. Women are caring and loving and supportive. And they make wonderful friends. Unless you're another woman, right? Two women. You guys got you ladies got to get over that and just remember, uh, don't look at each other as competitors, you know? Just look at each other as uh, part of an amazing sex called women. Women are amazing. And in fact, when a man, when a man has the qualities of a woman, I don't mean excessive qualities. I'm just talking about gentleness, compassion, um, nurturing. Then that man is referred to as a gentleman, a gentleman. And that's pretty cool. Ah, okay. I got to answer this question. After a lumpectomy, margins are all clear. Should I do chemo or hormone drugs? No. And let me repeat that. No. Because why? if your margins are cancer cells, and mature cancer cells are uh, the only thing that, I mean, the, the mature cancer cells, uh, now that they're gone, means there's no tumor. But what are left are these microscopic cancer stem cells that do cause metastasis. In other words, they can set up camp elsewhere in the body. And neither chemo nor radiation nor hormonal therapies, none of them eliminate cancer stem cells. What does is ivermectin, the, the benzimidazoles, a curcumin, quercetin, vitamin C, doxycycline. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and get healthy, clean your colon, do lymphatic work, get some sleep early, move around all day, meditate, meditate, meditate. And for those of you who don't know that meditation is not praying to another God, but it's basically learning to shut up. It's learning to turn the mind off. It's mindlessness. If you can get mindlessness, then your natural killer cells go through the roof, okay? As long as you're thinking you've got your foot on the brake breaks of the immune system all right now uh let me see where was that one nice question i had a little while ago uh yeah hey thank you Be brenda thank you for bringing this up somebody i don't ever contact anybody so twice now twice now please everybody listen to this twice now someone is taken is saying that i uh, are, are taking my Whatever I don't know how they do it, my credential, my whatever, and they're saying their Instagram or Facebook. I do not contact people at all. I do not solicit anything. I don't contact. I don't say anything. I will not contact you. I will respond to your question when I get around to it. But I never. So please, thank you so much, Brenda. No, 
I'm, it's on Facebook too. So I got to tell my uh, team to, uh, if you could send that to me so I can find out, I mean, Brenda, I, I, my gosh. Yeah, no, I don't. What's a good way to treat chronic, chronic constipation? Drink a ton of water, a lot of, a lot of water, and then stop eating. Stop eating for at least two, three days. Maybe just drink regular juice. Another thing is you get some sodium ascorbate, some vitamin C, and put an extra like two teaspoons in a glass of water and drink that. And you'll help start clearing out. That's really good. Same thing with magnesium. You can eat a lot of magnesium. And get rid of it that way. Drinking lots of juices. And then once you've had some good bowel movements, then you can get, there's an herb I, I, I like online. It's called Super Cleanse. It's from Harmony, Super Cleanse from Harmony. You can take anywhere from one up to five, to eight, depending on what you need at the beginning, before sleep, and drink lots of water, and then you'll start. And But eating healthy food, real real food will help that. We'll get rid of that, okay? I promise you, we'll get rid of that. Now, if you've got chronic constipation and you're taking opiates, then we got to get off the opiates because opiates will do that, you know? And one way to get off of opiates is to get some... Um, really high doses of four to one THC to CBD and do it rectally because the last part, the last two thirds of the rectum drain into the main vein and not to the liver and you don't get high. And believe me, 500 milligrams twice a day uh, rectally if you're dealing with pain or, or chronically fermenting cells. Um, you know, even Cheech and Chong wouldn't want that much. No. It's like way too much, okay? So doing it rectally is going to protect you um, um, from uh, going to get rid of your pain. Yeah. You might have to do it three times a day, a day until you get rid of the pain. Got to get rid of the pain. Because it's hard to do anything when you got chronic pain, when you got chronic nausea, when you got chronic itching. These are horrible, horrible things. Okay, regarding fasting, stumbling... Stumbling block, stumbling block is oh, stumbling block is heart, fluttering palpitations, sleeplessness. Huh. Well, I would supervise you if you get in touch with me, but basically, um, first of all, if you've got any problem with your heart, like you're suggesting, you need to go to a biological dentist first. Before you do anything else, go to a biological dentist. Make sure that you remember last week I talked about uh, Dr. Emma Abramian. Well, she, if you're living in L.A., Glendale, or any or San Diego, drive up. I mean, anywhere near there, go to her. Uh, if not, you got to find one that is really certified, all that. And they'll do what's called a cone beam, and they'll do a, a cavitat. And they'll be able to see. But if if you had heart problems and you had your wisdom teeth extracted in the past, most extractions are failed. They leave fragments of bones. They don't get the periodontal ligament. And you wind up getting pus and all kinds of stuff in the bone called cavitations. And you don't know it. You don't know it. You don't have swollen gums. You don't have painful gums and all that. And until you get that cleaned out, you won't do it. So that's what I'm thinking about if you're having heart problems. But other than that, um, then for you, if that's really hard, then just do a green juice cleanse. Drink tons of green juice and clean yourself out really nicely. 
do eight weeks of green juice. You'll be clean. Okay, so let me get back to you guys here. Wait, what was that one I wanted to answer? I meant to answer it. I am underweight. I can't get it. Ah, I have a question about the heavy dewormer protocol, what you gave us last week. How about what symptoms will we have during three months? So you won't take it for three months straight. If you're going to take the niclosamide, uh, alinea, uh, ivermectin, fenbendazole or mebendazole, if you're taking any of all four of those, prosequantil, right? Um, you're going to take them really at two, three times a day for three weeks and then off for one week. Three weeks and then off for one week. What might you feel if you feel nauseous or something like that? You need to slow down a little bit, okay? Um, uh, and uh, just then do it two weeks in one week, two weeks in one week. But you got to hit them heavy when you hit them because otherwise you just disturb them. They migrate to other organs um, or change the the ones you have. You know, maybe just, but you always got to have ivermectin and a, a, meta, a benzimidazole, like either fenben, fenbendazole or mebendazole. And then either niclosamide or um, alinea or um, praziquantone. And then, uh, yeah. And then there's uh, the proto antiprotozoals. So, is it okay to take prebiotics during a detox? Sure. I'm not sure what you mean by detox, but prebiotics are good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One thing about the three-day fast. Remember, we were talking about a three-day water fast, preparing for it. I always feel kind of sad when I hear someone's going to do a three-day water fast. You know why? Because the hardest part is the first three days. Day four, you wake up and, hey, I'm cool. And you don't have to eat. If you can get the three, do four or five. And you'll say, hey, wow. It will break your romance with food. Believe me, we have a romance with food. Believe me. And you don't know it as long as you're in the middle of it. You got to step back from eating and say, hey, I really don't need to eat. All I need is this kind of stuff here. You know? You know what's bizarre about Ponce de Leon? You all know Ponce de Leon, right? I think I have my history, right? I'm not sure. But wasn't he the guy that was sent by the Queen of Spain to find the Fountain of Youth? And he wound up in Florida. Is that Do I have that memory right? Is that true? Who knows if, they, if what we learned is true? Anyway, he was looking for the Fountain of Youth. And guess what? He had it all the time. It's called water. Water is the Fountain of Youth. Fasting, water fasting is the fountain of youth. Yeah. Uh, questions. Okay. Let's see. Let's get down to the. Okay. Here. I know that eating raw life, raw live food is the ideal, but ever since my liver resection surgery, then afterwards my hernia repair, I felt like I have very tight turns in my intestines and I've had altered digestion elimination since. Ah. Uh, I now weigh only 109 pounds. I'm five foot five in my stomach. Uh, my hernia repair and addressed adhesions to, of liver to posterior wall and other adhesions of intestines, but there is more like that. I've been told by surgeons and my oncologist and my acupuncturist and my Ayurvedic healer that I must eat soft, easily digestible, eliminated foods. 
When I try to eat raw, I get very distended, even backed up. Okay, all right. And your CA19 marker has been going up. Okay, so here's what you gotta do. Now listen, this is uh, a simple, obvious, should be obvious truth. And that is, it is never wrong to do the right thing. <clears throat> we were designed for food that the earth produces. That's what we were designed for. That's what we are. Now, it turns out that when we eat food that has been denatured with heat, it no longer has the enzymes. And now we have to produce all the excess enzymes. So we overwork our pancreases and we overwork the cells lining our GI tract and we overwork our livers come, etc. So actually, it's easier on the gut than by eating the cooked, uncooked food. However, I get what you're saying. You've had these surgeries. You've had your anatomy distorted and all that sort of thing. So, and I'm not sure what your anatomy is, but what I would do is a couple things. Number one, if you still have a stomach, then take hydrochloric acid uh, before you eat. You can get betaine, uh, hydrochloric acid in uh, any health food store or online. One, two, three capsules, whatever. Um, 10, 15 minutes before you eat. And take blended soups. Blend up, like I was saying, I think, last week. You can take spinach and avocado and blend it up and put a little bit of lemon in it. And mm, you can take... Uh, there's all kinds of delicious, delicious, delicious blended soups where they're still uncooked and they're delicious. And you can even... Uh, yeah. Now, after you're eating, after you're done eating, and don't eat a lot, eat a little bit at first, then take a few digestive enzymes. I use a company called Transformation because they do a lot of research and they have transformation and they have a and they have a different kinds of enzymes with different ratios of enzymes. And one I use is Digestzyme, Z-Y-M-E, Digestzyme, because it has a lot of cellulase, which is breaks down cellulose, and it's good for people on a plant diet. So if you take a bunch of a handful of the digestive enzymes and you took the acid first and you eat drink a little bit of the of the uh, of the liquid blended soups then you'll be able to tolerate it and you'll get all of the stuff that God and nature intended for you. Okay? And I mean this will help. I understand this will help you. I mean I I'm telling you. I'm telling you it will help you. Okay, so Brought here a question here. It very it is, it is a very good question too. BRCA two mutation runs in my family. Just found masses in my dad's pancreas. Trying to get him on a path of healthy living and not sure what else to do with him. Also, if my sister and I are positive for the mutation, do you recommend preventive total hysterectomy and mastectomy? And you answered the question by telling me that your father has masses on his pancreas. Because if you have the BRCA mutations, um, then your risk of breast, ovarian, and, uh, and uterine, and colon and pancreas. So you can't have them all removed. So Angelina Jolie, you know, still has high risk of, of the other ones, if it is, in fact, that you have both. Now, you know, uh, and remember, if... What what a, what a BRCA means is um, that the it's one of it's one of the seven major enzymes that are necessary in the uh, 
a, a double-stranded DNA repair. So when, when cells are going through meiosis and, and changing or, or dividing and they have double-stranded breaks, part of the way that it's cleaned up is with um, these genes that have been called BRCA, which stands for breast-related cancer. It's ridiculous. <clears throat> so it's a, it, so, but you got it. You get two chromosomes. You get one from each parent. So unless you get the second chromosome modified or, or, or downregulated because you're living an unhealthy lifestyle, if this one is strong, if you're living a really healthy, a really healthy lifestyle, then that won't be a problem. Okay, so that's what you need to do. So if you and I remember, very few. What is it? Five percent or less of all the breast cancers are BRCA and ovarian cancers are BRCA. That means all the rest are not. So what do you need to do if you have the BRCA? You need to live healthy, really healthy. No fooling around. It's showtime. Do it. Eat, eat what God made you. It made for you. Eat God's food, not man's food. What do you need to do if you don't have the BRCA? Eat healthy. Live healthy. Turns out the same for all of us. Okay, but no. What I'm saying is that if you get the breast and the and the ovaries removed and 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 your uterus removed, you still have a pancreas and you still have you're still going to have to do what to protect them. You're going to have to do the same thing. So there's no sense in getting mutilated. And getting mutilated is always a problem, right? Ask those poor kids when they get older. Is there a less invasive way to treat atrial fibrillation than cardiac ablation? You go to your biological dentist and you find out what's going on around your wisdom teeth because that's on the meridian of the heart. Yeah. And I don't know why, but atrial fibrillation is a lot of the things that the uh, 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 medical conditions that, that predispose to it are, um, of course, aortic stenosis, hypertension, uh, ischemia, meaning having uh, blocked up arteries, um, uh, pulmonary problems like if you're a heavy smoker if you got uh, bronchitis uh, uh, if you had a pulmonary embolism uh, and there are things that can predispose to it but probably i would say probably you know and i'm just i you know I, this is something that will never be tested we'll never be able to find the data we'll never be able to find the data because no one's going to look for the data okay but i would say probably 60% of AFib, atrial fibrillation, and other kinds of arrhythmias and cardiac problems are related to teeth, dental issues. I know I'm just saying that. I'm just saying that from some, do you accept insurance? Well, uh, sadly, it's not, it's not whether or not me or any other doctor who uh, practices uh, real medicine um, accepts insurance. They won't pay for what we do. The invoice from what we, what you do with us or anybody else, take it to your insurance company and try to get a re, or some sort of reimbursement. <clears throat> but they won't pay it. But some places are now starting to pay for uh, vitamin C, which it, you know because it's come out of it's it's vitamin C has sort of come out of the the uh, alternative closet because there has been so many clinical trials, so many studies, and so if your doctor ever says to you that there's no studies on it, just say, look, man. Look, that, that was the answer you gave 20 years ago, 30 years ago. It's time for you to start doing some work, okay, uh, and, and read about it because it's very, very important. Uh, but anyway, so they'll pay for that sometimes. But anyway, the other thing, too, is if we, 
let's, for example, if you sign up for working with a certain insurance company, you're now, they're going to tell you what you got to, how you, what you're going to do. You can, you can no longer, you no longer have the freedom to do what you want. You got to do what they say. So it doesn't work in anybody's interest for us to do it. So sorry, no, but, but you can take a lot of it and get reimbursed. Hey, guys. Okay, here's a real question to Louise. Uh, Dr. Lodi, um, I, I value your thoughts. Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. Do you have a solution present or in the future and means of slowing it down? Let me just tell you, Louise, that um, Dr. Simon Yu, YU, uh, board-certified internal medicine doctor in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, has had multiple uh, people with ALS, MS, other things like that. He does the acupuncture meridian test. He actually finds out what's going on. A lot of times it is uh, dental. It has gone up into the brain, dental, de hidden cavitations, hidden uh, things like that. If you've had root canals, if you've failed extractions and things like that, parasites, there's all kinds of stuff. Parasites can get in the brain, uh, especially the protozoas. They like fat. They go up in the brain and all that. So again, yes, yes. It's what we call ALS, what we call... Lou Gehrig's disease. What we call multiple sclerosis, what we call these things are, are, are metabolic adaptive processes that have multiple causes, just like the chronically fermenting cells. So it's not that you, it's a thing that exists. It's a pathway of adaptation that has been arrived at for multiple reasons. Uncover every stone. Look, you got to find out, is it dental, hidden dental? Is it parasites and all that? And get, just take care of all that stuff. Um, you don't necessarily have to go see Dr. Simon, you, uh, but he would be great if you did, cause he could tell you exactly what's going on. He, he's helped people who he had a guy that was in a wheelchair already, already had a tracheotomy, ALS already had a tracheotomy is back dancing. So you don't see that with ALS. All right, you guys, listen, fantastic today. Thank you so much. So what cop, so cop and, um, namaste, namaskar and, uh, aloha. And uh, remember, we are the elephant. We are the elephant. And we don't want to go uphill. We don't want to go uphill. Anyway, guys. Thank you for tuning in to the Dr. Lodi Podcast. Join Dr. Lodi's membership community at drlodi.com, where you will have exclusive access to Dr. Lodi's cancer healing and wellness webinars, a community of health-minded people, healthy lifestyle recommendations, educational videos, and discounts on courses and content. While you're there, RSVP for upcoming events and register for the Stop Making Cancer online course. If you enjoyed listening, please share and write a review.